Welcome to the Life Fellowship Ministries International Broadcast. Our mission is to develop, maintain, and model personal intimacy with Jesus Christ. And now, join us for the Life Fellowship Experience. I want to talk about Timothy. You've, you've all heard and read about Timothy. You've read the, the letters that Paul wrote to Timothy. I want to give a little bit of background on Timothy. Uh, his, his mother's name was Eunice, and his grandmother's name was Lois. And uh, they were believers. And they probably, Eunice, his mother, Timothy's mother and grandmother and Timothy, probably heard the gospel, the good news about Jesus when Paul was taking his first missionary trip. And, you know, you probably heard these terms, Paul's first missionary trip, his second, his third. And uh, Paul was commissioned to go and bring the gospel, the good news, to the Jews. And, and so he took these trips. And I want to go to a map uh, of his first trip. And I don't think my pointer is going to be long enough. I, I forgot about bringing something longer. <laughs> I need a much longer one than this. This isn't going to work. But if you look at the top up here, it says Antioch, Syria. Uh, many times in the Bible, you'll, you'll read about Antioch. Well, there's two Antiochs. If you notice, there's one over here on the right-hand side in Syria. And then there's one up here in Galatia. Uh, Galatia was a region and uh, Syria, obviously that's Syria, but up here where these other uh, areas are, the, that's modern-day Turkey. And so that was how, uh, how Paul went on this trip. He, he left from Antioch, and he came through Cyprus, and he goes up and to Antioch and Galatia and comes down to Iconium and Lystra. And that's where he probably was preaching about the gospel of Christ and where Lois and Eunice and Timothy heard about the gospel. Um, my first point this morning is the Lord works through ordinary people to do extraordinary things. And then really my first point is be available to the Lord. If you think about it, Paul, was he was a Pharisee of Pharisees. He knew the law. He had been steeped in Jewish law and all of those things. And so it would seem logical that God would have sent him to, to minister to the Jews. Because he knew all the arguments and he, he knew all the law and memorized thousands of scriptures and all these kinds of things. Probably thousands. Yeah, probably thousands. But he knew the law. But, but God didn't send them to the Jews. He sent them to the Gentiles, the non-Jews, to teach them about Jesus. And we know that, that Paul was against this new, uh, uh, against the, the cause of Christ and, and the message of Christ because they thought it was uh, you know, it was not right. It, it, it wasn't lining up with all his laws and rules and regulations that he had learned. And so he was responsible for killing some of the early Christians because he thought, no, we, we've got to wipe these guys out until he had an encounter with Jesus and it changed his life. And he realized, wait a minute, we're persecuting people that know that have the truth here. Jesus is the Messiah. And so God used him to go to the Gentiles and preach the word of God to them. So Paul's second journey uh, in Acts 16, chapter 1, Acts, Acts chapter 16, verses 1 through 3, Paul went first to Derby and then Lystra, where there was a young disciple named Timothy. So let's show the second map. 
And this was like probably about three or four years later. So he'd gone to Lystra and Iconium, and this is where Timothy had heard about the gospel of Christ. And so this is his second trip. He starts in Jerusalem and goes up to Antioch again and then comes over to Derby, Lystra, and Iconium. And that's where he's saying he, he realized that he's heard about this, this young believer named Timothy. Now, also on this map, I don't know why they did the, the water green and the land blue. It seems opposite to me, but anyway. But you'll notice some things up here. You see Ephesus. You see Corinth over here. Uh, you see up at the top left-hand corner, you see Thessalonica (laughs) and Philippi. And those are going to be terms that that you'll remember when he wrote letters to the Galatians in the the area of Galatia. And he wrote to the the, uh, church in Corinth and and the believers in Corinth and 1st and 2nd Thessalonians and Philippians. So that's where we get the names of those letters that Paul wrote because he was writing to those individual places. And and so let's go back to the scripture, Acts 16, 1 through 3. Paul went first to Derbe, then Lystra, where there was a young disciple named Timothy. Verse 1 continues. His mother was a Jewish believer, but his father was a Greek. Now this could have created some problems because you know that the Greeks, they worship pagan gods. But his mother was a Christian. She, she had come to receive Christ. Uh, verse 2, Timothy was well thought of by the believers in Lystra and Iconium. Let's go back to this map. Uh, the second. Okay, you see Iconium and, and Lystra there. Uh, Lystra's kind of underneath Iconium. He had a good reputation. Those, those cities were probably about 25 miles apart. Now, they didn't have social media they, you know, they didn't have cars where they were driving back and forth to work 25 miles. So it's, it's, it's highly likely that, that, uh, that Timothy was already making an impact in these areas and maybe preaching the, the gospel because he was well thought of by the believers in Lystra and Iconium. How would that be? Well, they must have known him. They must have had contact with him. Uh, let's read on in Acts 16.3. So Paul wanted him to join them on their journey. So, can we go back to that map? So, Paul is right here in this area, and he's saying, hey, we'd like for you to join us. Look at that journey. That's a long trip. And, and so, he, he saw something in Timothy. He saw a young man that he wanted to invest in and, and to pour into. And, uh, again, this was probably three or four years after his first missionary trip. So Timothy was really growing in the Lord. And, and Paul was like, hey, this, this guy is somebody I want to invest in. It's thought that Timothy, and it's referenced in the scriptures that Timothy was young, and it's possible that he was anywhere between 16 and 24 years old. So he indeed was a young man. Um, so my first point is be available to the Lord. My second point is ministry to others is often very inconvenient and requires sacrifice. But I want to preface that with the Lord works through ordinary people to do extraordinary things. Ministry is not easy. It requires. Let's read on in Acts 16.3. In deference to the Jews in the area, he arranged for Timothy to be circumcised before they left. What? <laughs> Hold up here. 
Paul, you know, you're talking about me going on this journey with you. You didn't say anything about the circumcision thing. You know, the Jews would circumcise their, their male children at eight, when they were eight days old. Okay. Probably not a pleasant experience at eight days old, but we're talking about a young man, an adult, being circumcised. And some of the Jews desired that the Gentiles, the non-Jews, follow their traditions and their religious behaviors. And, uh, and, and so, uh, have you ever heard of the fable? It, it's a, like a business fable about the chicken and the pig. Have you ever heard that fable? Um, and it's a story, and, and the, the premise of this is that it talks about involvement versus commitment. And so, one day, the chicken says to the pig, hey, we need to start a restaurant. We can call it ham and eggs. And the pig is thinking for a minute, and he goes, well, you know, there's a different level of commitment here, chicken. <laughs> you drop a couple eggs, Right? But this is going to cost me my life to provide the bacon or the ham, right? So again, it's about involvement versus commitment. Now, that's where the, the fable ends. But I have a second part to that. I was thinking about this, and I said, well, in today's culture, I think maybe the, the, the pig might say to the chicken, you know, there's, there's another option here. Uh, ham and bacon is it's not really that healthy, and there's a lot of people now that are eating chicken and waffles. Why don't we do that? <laughs> but my point is, are we involved in our relationship with the Lord, or are we committed? And we see that Timothy was committed. We'll read on here. Um, and let me say this, too. I think there are a number of Christians that are involved, but are they really committed? It's one thing to say that I'm a Christian, I'm a follower of Christ. It's another thing to go out and live it. Live it. Amen. All right. You guys are right on cue with that, man. <laughs> um, so let's go back to the first missionary trip, um, the first map there. Uh, and let me talk about this. While, while Paul and Barnabas were at Antioch of Syria, some men from Judea arrived and began to teach these believers. So you see that they were here, uh, probably at, at the end of their trip, uh, they were there. And so these guys, these Jews, um, began to teach the believers, uh, verse 1 continues, unless you are circumcised, as required by the law of Moses, you cannot be saved. And Acts 15.2 says, And Paul and Barnabas disagreed with them vehemently. They were adamantly, no, no, this is not right. And so finally the church decided to send Paul and Barnabas to Jerusalem, accompanied by some of the local believers there, to talk to the apostles and elders about this question. So there... Uh, Map, please, survey says. And so they're up here, and, and they're having this discussion with these guys that are saying the Gentiles have to be circumcised to be saved. And so they said, okay, let's send them back down to Jerusalem to talk with the apostles and, and the leaders there. So let's go to Galatians chapter 3, verse 26. And this is, this is a, a letter that Paul wrote to Galatia. 
And this, is, this was his take on it. And he says, for you are all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. And we, and, and no, I'm sorry. And all who have been united with Christ in baptism have put on Christ like putting on new clothes. Do you remember when you were younger and, and uh, maybe the school year was getting ready to start and your mom would take you and you'd get new clothes, new shoes, new crayons, all that kind of stuff, how you felt? And so when we put on Christ, when we come to him, there's a newness, there's a freshness. Uh, that, that's why I, wanna, I, I really love new Christians when they get saved. They're on fire, you know. They want to preach to everybody and, and they want to, uh, you know, allow God in their life and they're, they're excited and so he says, and all who have been united with Christ in baptism have put on Christ like putting on new clothes. There is no longer Jew nor Gentile. There is no longer slave or free, male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Now, obviously, there are Jews and Gentiles. There, there were slave and free. Obviously, there are male and female. He's not saying that people are binary now and they can be whatever gender they want to be unfortunately i have to say that probably right because some people would say well look even the bible says you know you can be whatever gender you want there's not male or female well yes there is we know in, in genesis and god created male and female so let me be clear about that i know none of you need to hear that but there may be somebody online that's watching and so paul goes on to say and now that you belong to christ you are the true children of abraham you are his heirs, and God's promise to Abraham belongs to you. And so the Jews were big on Abraham, right? Father Abraham, he was the father of, of the Israeli, the, is, the Jewish nation and the Hebrews and all that. And Paul is saying that we're, and we know that we're grafted in. We're attached to that lineage through Christ. So let's go back to uh, chapter 15. So these Jews were saying they could not be saved unless they were circumcised. Um, so Paul and when, when Paul and Barnabas go down to Jerusalem to talk with the apostles, after a long meeting, I'm not going to read all the scripture, I'm just going to summarize it for you here. Uh, you can read this in, in Acts 13, 14, 15, 16, all, all in that area. After a, long meter, uh, after a long meeting, Peter stands up and says in Acts 15, 8, God knows people's hearts, and he confirmed that he accepts Gentiles by giving them the Holy Spirit, just as he did to us. Because they were seeing that the believers were receiving the Holy Spirit. Um, he goes on to, to say in uh, Acts 15, 9, He made no distinction between us and them, for he cleansed their hearts through faith. It, listen, it was a big deal for the Jews to, to try to deal with these Gentiles, these non-Jews coming into a faith coming into the faith. The early church had some challenges because how were they going to address some of these things? And so Paul is addressing a lot of these things and James and Peter. And so uh, Peter says, he made no distinction between us from them, the Jews from the Gentiles, for he cleansed their hearts through faith, just like he did ours. Um, verse 10, so why are you now challenging God by burdening the Gentile believers with a yoke that neither we nor our ancestors were able to bear? Verse 11, we believe that we are all saved the same way, by the undeserved grace of the Lord Jesus. So whether you were a Jew or a Gentile, it's all through Christ that we have this salvation. And the Pharisees, the religious leaders of the time, we know that they were the, the primary persecutors of Jesus because they were missing it. They were looking for the Messiah, and the Messiah came, and they missed it. 
for various reasons probably that we won't go into today. But, but, but Peter is saying we believe that we are all saved the same way. Whether you're a Jew or a Gentile, a, a slave or free, male or female, we're all saved the same way through the undeserved grace of the Lord Jesus. And then uh, Barnabas and Paul begin to talk about the miraculous signs and wonders the Lord had been doing through uh, the Gentiles, among the Gentiles. He's saying, look, look, this is legitimate. These people are receiving Christ. And, and, and you guys are wanting to put all these restrictions on them? You can't make a, Jew, a Gentile a Jew. They're not a Jew. So why are you trying to put these these demands on them that, that, that even the Jews can't even keep. Let's get off this religion and let's get into relationship here. These people are having a relationship with Jesus like we should be doing. And then James uh, says in, in Acts 15, 19 through 21, and so my judgment is that we should not make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God. You know, I hate religion because that's what religion does it says you've got to jump through all these hoops and you've got to perform and and you've got to do all this stuff that that nobody can can live up to there's a standard here but it's not about that it's about this relationship that we talk about so often and James goes on to say instead we should write and tell them to abstain there's four things he says he says look Let's not try to put all these Jewish laws on them. Let's give them four things to do. And he says, abstain from eating food offered to idols. Because remember, these guys were living in a pagan culture. So don't be, don't be worshiping idols. Obviously, that's a given. But don't be eating food offered to idols. Abstain from sexual immorality. From eating the meat of strangled animals. And from con- consuming blood. He said, let's just give them those four criteria. Now, obviously, you know, it's, it's about receiving Christ, yielding to him, and all those kinds of things. But if we're going to put some, some boundaries on them, let's just give them these four. And uh, James goes on to say, for these laws of Moses have been preached in Jewish synagogues in every city on every Sabbath for many generations. So he's saying, the Jews, listen, we should be adhering to these things already. And these are the things that we feel are important that we should abstain from. And let's just say, Gentiles, you don't have to get circumcised to get saved, but we want you to abstain from these kinds of things. And back to, let's, let's move ahead now to uh, chapter 16 in Acts, where Paul asked Timothy to join him. In deference to the Jews in the area, he arranged for Timothy to be circumcised before they left, for everyone knew that his father was a Greek. So, in other words, he wouldn't have been circumcised, probably, more than likely. Well, obviously, he wasn't, because Paul <laughs> set up for him to get circumcised, right? But here's, here's the thing, one of the things I want to point out. Although it was not required, because, you know, we just heard that the council said that that you don't have to be circumcised to be uh, uh, a believer. Uh, Timothy got circumcised anyway to avoid the issues with the Jews. And Paul says in one of his letters, he says, I become all things to all men so that I may share the hope and the love of Christ with those. Now, Paul was not talking about compromising, 
But he's saying, hey, look, if this is your customs and it doesn't, it doesn't hinder my relationship with the Lord or doesn't teach anything erroneous about this relationship, you know, if I go somewhere and uh, to somebody's house and they're vegetarian, you know, I'll eat some vegetables. You know, whatever it is, Paul's heart was to reach people for the gospel, to teach them about Christ, to draw them into this relationship. It was more important for him to do that than, you know, be stubborn and say, oh, well, no, I, I can't do that. Because he cared more about people. He cared more about them having a relationship with Jesus. Selfless. Are we willing to be selfless? And again, please hear me. I'm not talking about compromise. Acts 16.4. Then they went from town to town, instructing the believers to follow the decisions made by the apostles and elders in Jerusalem. So, verse 5. So the churches were strengthened in their faith and grew larger every day. So my first point is be available to the Lord. My second point is ministry to others is often very inconvenient and requires sacrifice. My third point is be teachable. Remember our core values at Life Fellowship? Love, prayer, obedience, humility, teachability, unity and service, being able to be taught, but also being able and prepared and equipped to teach others. So that's one of our core values. Paul trusted Timothy, and he saw something in this young man that he said, I, I want to invest in this young man. I want to train him up and, and teach him. And so that's what's happening some, on, on Sunday mornings in, in our life groups and things like that. We're all being trained and taught that we know the Word, that we know how to handle the, the questions that come to us. Well, what, what about circumcision? What about that? Do I have to be circumcised to be saved? Well, no. Now you know where to go. Go to Acts 13, 14, 15, 16. And you can explain to people why, what that's all about. And so Timothy was a spiritual son to Paul. He traveled with Paul. And Paul trained and equipped and invested in Timothy. They had a father-son relationship. And Paul released Timothy into ministry. And we see later that, that he gave Timothy charge over some of the churches. And they were having significant issues, man. I mean, this was, the church was just getting started, and you have all this Jew and Gentile stuff, and you have all these rules, and you have all this stuff going on. And you're, and you're trying to teach people and show people that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, not these pagan gods that they're praying to and these wooden carvings or these stone carvings. So they had a lot of obstacles to overcome. But Timothy had proven himself to be teachable. Timothy had proven himself to be faithful. Timothy had proven himself to be dependable and willing Timothy had proven himself to be selfless. So Paul wrote two letters of instructions directly to Timothy. So when you look in the New Testament, there's 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy. And these are letters that Paul was writing. Many times when Paul would write letters, he was writing to a region or an area or a church or some churches. 
like Galatians. He's writing to a region in Galatia. And so many of these letters were written and intended to be shared with other believers, passed around through the different churches. But we see that, that Paul is writing directly to Timothy. And it's not that, that that letter is not relevant to the other churches and believers, because it is. But he says in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 2, I'm writing to Timothy, my true son in the faith. The purpose of my instruction is that all believers would be filled with the love that comes from a pure heart, a clear conscience, and a genuine faith. Paul is always looking to teach and train and, and share the gospel with those that he has the opportunity to. And he's, he's highlighting Timothy and he's saying, hey, I'm writing to you my son. And this is probably toward the end of Paul's life. But some people have missed this whole point. They have turned away from these things and spent their time in meaningless discussions. Meaningless discussions. So, you know, I know that can happen. Where we can get into discussions about things that are really meaningless. You know, and sometimes I think people will use those kinds of things as an excuse. Well, I don't know about this whole Christian thing. What about the, you know, the people in the jungle that never hear about the gospel, and, you know, or whatever? Well, what about you? <laughs> Let's talk about you. I don't know about the aborigines and those people and those tribes. But what about you? Do you have a relationship with the Lord? Uh, you know that we post uh, three posts on, on Facebook and Instagram and social media every week. And we're getting, you know, comments, a lot of comments and stuff, views on those things. And rarely do I ever engage, but we had a, a post, and it was, um, I think it was the first part of a scripture, Proverbs 18.2. And, and it said, uh, wisdom is more valuable than rubies. And there was somebody that made a comment, and they said, that's not even anywhere close to what the Scripture said. And so it kind of caught my attention, and I looked, and it's exactly what the Scripture says in the New Living Translation, in the New King James, the King James. You know, I didn't look at every translation, obviously, but, you know, so I responded back, and... and uh, they said, well, you need to be teaching the Word, otherwise it's just man's opinions. And so I took the time to try to share with this person. And, and, and I said, well, if you really want to know exactly what it says, you need to go back to the original language, which would be Hebrew or Aramaic or Greek. Greek is New Testament, Hebrew and Aramaic is Old Testament. That's the language that it was written in, and so it's translated into English so we can read it. Because most, How many of you can read Hebrew? <laughs> Greek? <laughs> and, and so I, I took the time to try to use that as a teaching moment. I just felt impressed to do that. Because there may be other people that may have questions about that. Well, you know, why does it say this in this translation and, and the wording is a little bit different? And she, she replied that she, she uses the original <laughs> King James Version. 
And I'm thinking, well, I'd rather use the original God version, Hebrew, or, you know. But, uh, but I took that as a moment for teaching. And so what we can do, because there are hundreds of people that are, you know, commenting on our post. And somebody may see that and not realize that, that the, the Bible, the original language, was not in English. <laughs> that Jesus didn't use the King James Version. <laughs> and, and so let's not get into foolish arguments, but sometimes we can have a teaching moment with someone. And pray about those things because you don't want to get into an argument. So anyway, let me, let me move on. First Timothy 1 Timothy 1.19, uh, Paul is telling Timothy, cling to your faith in Christ and keep your conscience clear. For some people have deliberately violated their consciences. As a result, their faith has been shipwrecked. We have the Holy Spirit who does not condemn us, but he will convict us. And you know what that's like. Start to do something, the Holy Spirit's like, you shouldn't do that. And sometimes we say, you know, you're right, I'm not going to do that. And sometimes we say, well, I'm going to do it anyway. (laughs) Can we be honest here? But Paul is telling Timothy, He's teaching him because he knows that he's going to be taking the banner forward. He's going to be continuing to teach and train when Paul is long gone. Timothy will be one of the ones, one of the disciples that will be teaching and training and leading in the church. And he doesn't want to see people's lives shipwrecked. Unfortunately, there are some people that you want to try to help and they don't want help. And their lives are being shipwrecked. Their marriages are being shipwrecked. Their family, their children are being shipwrecked. So we have a lot of Christians that are involved. But how many Christians do we have that are committed? Paul goes on to write, For there is one God, one mediator, who can reconcile God and humanity, the man Christ Jesus. He gave his life to purchase freedom for everyone. Paul gives directions and requirements for spiritual leaders. He tells uh, uh, Timothy and he tells Titus that these are requirements for leaders in the church. If you want to be a leader in the church, these are the things that you need to have resident in your life. So they're establishing some things for the early church, but are relevant for us today as well. So if you want to be a leader in the church, go read 1 and 2 Timothy. Go read Titus. It tells you. It's very clear. What's the difference between an elder and a deacon? Those kinds of things. Because, again, those were important to establish and that there were some boundaries and people would know, but it's also important for us. First uh, Timothy 4, 1 and 2. Again, this is Paul writing to Timothy, and he says, Now the Holy Spirit tells us clearly that in the last times there, some will turn away from the true faith. They will follow deceptive spirits and teachings that come from demons. 
These people are hypocrites and liars, and their consciences are dead. And some versions say their conscience is seared. Teach these things and insist that everyone learns them. He's saying, know, know the truth and teach the truth. And make sure that others learn these things and know these and implement them. And don't, don't let anyone think less of you because you are young. Don't, in other words, don't let your insecurities hinder what God wants to do through your life. Yes, you're a young man, but you know what? Age is not, is not the criteria for spiritual maturity. <laughs> you know, people that have been walking or going to church for decades are baby Christians. And you know people that are young, maybe haven't been saved that long, that are spiritually healthy and strong, vibrant, powerful have the anointing of God on their life. It's about yielding to him. It's about this relationship with him. And, and, and Paul is saying, don't let anyone think less of you because you're a young man. Continue to yield to the Lord and allow him to work through your life with mighty power. Verse 12, be an example to all believers in what you say. Be an example. Because how do people learn? Example, 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 right? So he's saying, be an example. Live this thing out, Timothy. Be an example in, in what you say, in the way you live, in your love, your faith, and your purity. So the Lord works through ordinary people to do extraordinary things. Be available to the Lord. Ministry to others is often very inconvenient and requires sacrifice. Or being trained up. There are people that are, are going to be standing up here teaching in the near future. That's, that's part of the training process. Putting the sermons together. And, and it's not just standing up here and, and preaching a few scriptures. There's a lot that goes on behind the scenes. To help the tech arts team, there's a format that, that they use so that they can follow along with what's being said here up on the screens. Ministry is often very inconvenient. And I think the deeper you go into ministry, the more involved in ministry you are, the more it requires because it not only requires the basics for all of us, that we live a holy and righteous life. And again, it's not about this performance. It's about the transformance of our life, God touching and changing our lives. All of those things we should be doing anyway. But as we step into leadership roles, listen, I, before I was a senior pastor, I had no idea. <laughs> and how would you until you step into this role? But I've been in, in upper leadership roles in the church. I'm like, oh, I can do that. Yeah. Yeah, and then you step into this thing, and you're like, wow, wait a minute. This, this is a little different. Because it's not just the work and the daily grind, but it is the spiritual attack and the oppression that tries to settle on you. It's the responsibility 
of loving people and, and seeing them not respond to what God wants to do in their lives. It breaks your heart when, when people are, are allowing the enemy to come in and steal, kill, and destroy. And you, you love people and you try to help them the best you can, but you know what? You can't help someone that doesn't want to be helped. And those are some of the things that you deal with in ministry. But then on the other side, there are people like you that are hungry for God and want to grow. That's what keeps you going. You're like, ah, look at them. They're growing. They're maturing. I see their life and how they go out and live it and how they're making a, a difference in the world around them because they're ordinary heroes that are yielded to God and God is doing amazing things through their hearts and lives. And with their testimony. And that is that's so encouraging to see that happening in your lives. In all of our lives. And my third point is be teachable. Be humble. Be teachable. Receive correction. Re receive instruction. You're reading the Proverbs. There's a lot about that, about receiving instruction and correction. And know that, that, you know, God corrects those he loves. Did you ever have your parents say, you hear that sound, that belt loop, that belt, going through that belt loop, you know what that sounds like. And they say, well, this is going to hurt me more than it's going to hurt you. And you're thinking, well, why don't you whip yourself then? <laughs> But why did they do that? If it was a healthy relationship, they were doing that not for any other reason but to discipline you because they love you and they care about you. And I'm glad that the Lord disciplines us. And the Word says the Lord disciplines those He loves because He loves you and He wants to see you grow and mature. And sometimes we all need it. So this morning's message is really just a continuation about God using ordinary people like us to do extraordinary things. But the key is, are we willing to yield? Are we willing to be selfless to allow the Lord to do what He wants to do? Because He's the boss. <laughs> I walked in this morning and Cody said How's it going, boss? And I said, well, I'm not the boss. He's the boss. But God loves you. God has a great purpose and plan for each and every one of us. But we have to yield to him and allow him to do what he wants to do. And, and there's a preparation time. You know, Paul didn't just kick Timothy out and say, okay, go get him. There was a training process. He said, come on, travel with me for hundreds of miles. And let me show you how to do this. Let me show you some of the challenges that you're going to face. Because one day, Timothy, you're going to be leading the churches. You need to know how to handle this. And that's what God is doing for us as well. 